Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. I'm Naomi Williams, author of Sunday School. I wrote this story in response to an assignment in graduate school that asked us to imitate or adopt the style or technique of another writer. I decided to try out the shifting realities and scenarios Robert Coover used to such brilliant effect in his famous story, The Babysitter. Sunday School was the result. This story first appeared in the spring 2008 issue of Ziziva. Sunday School. The assistant rector of All Saints Episcopal Church, let's call him Father Mark, calls Miranda and asks her to take over the second-grade Sunday school class. Miranda says, no thanks. Father Mark suggests that Miranda's twin boys would enjoy having their own mother as the Sunday school teacher. Miranda disagrees. He asks her to pray about it for a few days before giving her final answer. Sorry, Miranda says. The truth is, we've decided to stop attending All Saints. Father Mark asks why. Miranda doesn't bother describing the incident with the sheep ears at the Christmas pageant. She just says, It's not you, it's us. And that's how Miranda and her family stop going to church. Now on Sunday mornings, Miranda joins her husband, Stan, in doing the New York Times crossword puzzle, and the boys get an extra morning with their Game Boys. The assistant rector of All Saints. Let's call her the Reverend Beverly Simmons. No, wait, let's do as her parishioners would and call her Rev Bev. Calls Miranda and asks her to take over the second grade Sunday school class. Miranda says, no thanks. The truth is, she and her family are thinking about leaving All Saints. The incident with the church photo directory still rankles. Rev Bev asks her to pray about it for a few days before saying no. All right, Miranda says. All right, I'll think about it. When Stan comes home, Miranda tells him she turned down the Sunday school thing after all. What Sunday school thing, he says. When Rev Bev calls back, Miranda hasn't finished praying or thinking about it. I don't know, she tells her. I don't feel very connected to All Saints. We just haven't clicked with the place. Maybe this will change that, Rev Bev says. I think you have a lot to contribute to our community. Rev Bev is persuasive. Ten years older than Miranda... She went to seminary when her youngest child was in high school. PTA president turned priest. I don't know, Miranda tells Father Mark. We haven't clicked with the place. I haven't clicked with the place. Maybe this will change that, the priest says. I don't know, Father Mark. Miranda, please call me Mark. Miranda fiddles with her hair. Curly, brown, tastefully flecked with gray. Phone crooked between her ear and shoulder. All right, Mark she says. Stan says, what? I thought you hated that place. I thought we were going to stop going. Maybe I just haven't been involved enough. Maybe I'll get to know some people now. You'll get to know some second graders, you mean. We already have two of those. The twins at least are happy about it. Mommy's going to be our Sunday school teacher, Dad. So I hear, Stan says. Ah, the twins moan. Max, That means we'll have to go to church every Sunday. Everett. Yeah, not just when Mommy feels guilty. 
Miranda never starts preparing her Sunday school lessons until the night before. Every week she swears she'll start earlier and take more care in planning the next class. She'll put together art projects that really wow the kids. But it always comes down to this. A frantic Saturday night with the diocesan-approved teacher's handbook, wishing she'd had the sense to say no when the assistant rector asked her to take the class. The assistant rector tells Miranda to be sure to save her receipts for any classroom purchases. Jeffrey in the church office can reimburse her out of petty cash. Receipts, Miranda thinks. That assumes a level of purposefulness that is entirely absent from this endeavor. Church office? She didn't know the church had an office. What on earth do they do all week long? It's easy. Miranda just follows the lesson plan in the diocesan-approved teacher's handbook. She keeps receipts for the snacks and art supplies she buys, and Jeffrey reimburses her once a month. Jeffrey is 27 and trying to stop smoking. He and Miranda hit it off. They run out to Starbucks whenever Miranda stops by the office for her check. See, Miranda tells Stan, I have made some friends at All Saints now. I never said you wouldn't, says Stan. Jeffrey complains that the assistant rector drives him crazy. But the truth is he loves being the one who manages all the earthly details so Rev Bev can handle the spiritual stuff. She can't live without me, Jeffrey tells Miranda, over a mug of fair trade blend. Last week, I caught her trying to launder a bright red lectern cloth with the white altar linens. Can you imagine? Miranda blows on her house decaf. You run this place, Jeffrey. A lesson on blind Bartimaeus. The teacher's handbook says, Celebrate God's gift of sight by making light catchers out of shaved crayon melted between layers of wax paper. I can do that, Miranda says. She mobilizes Max and Everett to help grate a cup's worth of shaved crayon. Everett grates the metallic crayons. They sparkle in the Tupperware. Jeffrey complains that the assistant rector drives him crazy. You mean you're attracted to him, Miranda says, stirring her vanilla soy latte. Is it that obvious, Jeffrey asks, gazing into his café au lait. Honestly, Miranda, sometimes when I'm standing right next to Father Mark, I think I'm going to faint from wanting him. He is distractingly handsome, Miranda agrees. Two hours later, jittery. She'll remember she forgot to ask for decaf. It's ten o'clock on Saturday night. This curriculum just stinks, Miranda tells Stan. Listen to what they suggest as an appropriate art project to go with the story of Blind Bartimaeus. Blind who? Stan asks. Blind Bartimaeus. He was this guy who was blind. So I gather... And he basically pestered Jesus until he got his sight back. Ah, the gospel of the squeaky wheel. Miranda reads aloud the instructions for the light catcher's project. Doesn't that seem insensitive? I mean, what if I had a blind child in my class? Do you? Well, no, but that's not the point. What is the point? It's about faith, Stan. Jesus tells Bartimaeus that it's his faith that's cured his blindness. So maybe you should perform a faith healing in class. Miranda spends an hour shaving crayons in the kitchen. It never occurs to her to do the metallic crayons. Jeffrey confides over green tea lemonade that Rev Bev has applied for a position at St. Brendan's in the city. Oh, no, Miranda says, burning her tongue on her caramel macchiato. Yes, Jeffrey says, and she's asked me to come with her if she gets the job. Oh, no, Miranda cries. At home, Miranda asks Stan if he'd consider driving to the city for church. I thought you were happy now at All Saints, Stan says. 
I want to check out St. Brendan's, Miranda says. Rev. Bev loses the job to a dynamic young African-American priest who doubles the congregation in six months. Miranda never mentions St. Brendan's again, and Stan never asks. I cannot do this stupid project, Miranda declares. It's late, but she stays up trying to devise a more appropriate activity for the blind Bartimaeus lesson. She makes squares out of cardstock for every letter in Braille. The children will line up the letters in their name over a piece of paper, punch out the dots with knitting needles, and voila, their names in Braille. It's after midnight when she realizes that you have to punch the letters out in reverse if they're to read correctly, if the Braille bumps are to show up properly on the other side. The kids won't know the difference, but she will. She redoes all the letters by hand. She doesn't go to bed till after two. Sunday morning, Miranda makes her way to her Sunday school classroom. Max and Everett help carry the supplies. The teacher's handbook, an illustrated children's Bible, materials for the art project, Oreo cookies for snack time. She unlocks the door and spends a few minutes setting up before the other children arrive. The assistant rector stops by the classroom. How's everything here, Rev. Bev asks. Good morning, Reverly, Reverend Beverly, Miranda says. She can't bring herself to say Rev. Bev, and she can't bring herself to say Mother Beverly, and she can't bring herself to say just Beverly. Rev. Bev looks at Max and Everett setting chairs up around the table. Looks like you've got two great little helpers there. Everett and Max turn around and smile. They never embarrass their mom. Miranda loves them for that. Some of the other children in her class. The cheekiness. The language. And only seven years old, most of them. Rev. Bev steps out of the classroom. Remember the Sunday school teachers meeting tomorrow night, she calls back. The classroom door is locked. Miranda goes next door to the fifth grade classroom to borrow the key. The fifth grade teacher frowns when she sees Miranda. Still haven't got your own key. She's English and uses her accent to barb everything she says. Sorry, Miranda says. I've told you, you just need to pop by the church office and ask Jeffrey for one. He's really very nice. She holds out the key with a patient sign. What's the iron for, she asks. We're melting wax paper, Miranda explains, for light catchers. And when the fifth grade teacher says nothing, adds, you know, to celebrate God's gift of sight. How clever. Miranda sends Max to return the key when she's done with it. Really, she thinks, she must hie herself to the church office this week and get the damn key from Jeffrey, if only to escape having to talk to the fifth grade teacher every Sunday. The assistant rector stops by while Miranda's setting up. Good morning, boys, she calls out to Everett and Max. They're busy at the whiteboard and don't respond. Miranda turns to scold them into politeness. They're playing hangman, and this is what they've got so far. B blank T T H E blank D. Sorry, she tells the assistant rector, then marches over to the board and erases the game. Someone is saying hello to you, boys. Rev Bev is laughing. She has boys, too. It's all right, Miranda. I'll see you at the teacher's meeting tomorrow night. The fifth grade teacher holds out the key. What are the knitting needles for, she asks. We're going to punch out our names in Braille today. Ah, how clever. What are the knitting needles for? Miranda's had it with this woman. We're making our very own stigmata this morning, she says. Stig, what? Miranda jabs a finger into her palm. You know, the wounds of Christ, 
nails through the hands and feet. The fifth-grade teacher steps back, alarmed. It won't hurt that much, Miranda says. The knitting needles are very sharp. Miranda turns back toward her classroom, and there's the assistant rector. Everything okay, he asks. Father Mark, sounds like you have an interesting lesson planned. You must think, oh, God, I was just hideous to that woman. Miranda's face grows hot under Mark's benign stare. I'd obviously have behaved better if I'd known you were there. Yes, we have that effect on people, Father Mark says, an occupational hazard. He starts to move away. There should be a first aid kit in the cabinet there, in case the stigmata thing, you know, gets out of hand. Seven second graders go home from church that day with beautiful, sparkly light catchers. The more conscientious parents hang them up in their windows at home. Miranda's asked to comment at the meeting the next day on how to keep young children engaged in Sunday school. Miranda and Jeffrey go out for coffee the next morning. They can't decide if Father Mark is gay or straight. Miranda argues for gay, to make Jeffrey feel better. She expects Jeffrey to reciprocate, to marshal arguments in favor of Father Mark's heterosexuality, to make her feel better. But he doesn't. Really, she thinks, she needs some women friends. But then, back at the church office, Jeffrey says, Let's sneak into the sacristy. They look at Father Mark's vestments. They lift one out of the closet. A light wool chasuble, ivory, with a brocaded front, lined in satin. It smells of incense and aftershave. Jeffrey tries it on. They can't stop laughing. Six second graders go home from church with beautiful sparkly light catchers. One child grabs the iron even though Miranda's told them not to touch it, that she will do the ironing part. She has to ask the fifth grade teacher to watch her class while she goes off in search of the burned child's parents. What was a hot iron doing in the classroom, the mother asks. That family never comes back to All Saints. The assistant rector assures Miranda it was not her fault. Miranda brings a tray of peanut butter cookies for the fifth grade teacher to thank her for her help. Miranda and the fifth grade teacher are asked to comment at the teacher's meeting about dealing with classroom emergencies. Jeffrey says, let's sneak into the sacristy. Miranda tries on one of Father Mark's vestments, green dupioni silk with an embroidered orphrey of Portuguese tapestry. Is this fabric gorgeous, Jeffrey says. He runs his hands over the tapestry in front. Miranda inhales sharply, Jeffrey, we really shouldn't be here. Say some holy stuff, Miranda, like he'd say when he wears this. Jeffrey, this is ridiculous. He presses her against the wall. Say it, Miranda. Our father, she manages to say, who art in heaven. Jeffrey, are you, are we? Keep praying, he says into her ear. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Afterward, they're both embarrassed. They promise they'll never speak of it again, that this won't affect their friendship, that they'll respect each other. They keep the first promise. Six months later, Jeffrey transfers to St. Brendan's in the city. A dynamic woman priest has just been installed there. The fifth grade teacher gets the church secretary job at All Saints. Miranda gives her Starbucks card to a panhandler. What was a hot iron doing in the classroom, the mother asks. Miranda apologizes, but the parents complain. The assistant rector says, I'm so sorry, Miranda. You're firing me, Miranda says. I'm a volunteer. And that's how Miranda and her family stop going to All Saints. She starts doing the New York Times crossword puzzle every Sunday morning with Stan. She sometimes runs into the burned child's family around town. They all pretend not to know each other.
Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Father Mark walks in on them. Jeffrey loses his job. Miranda resigns as Sunday school teacher. Why, Mommy? Max and Everett ask. You were a good teacher. It just got to be too much, she tells them. Miranda and her family stop going to All Saints. Miranda starts doing the New York Times crossword puzzle every Sunday morning. Stan never asks her what happened. The children love making their names in Braille. They carefully line up the letters for their names, backward, as Miranda's instructed them, then gently punch out each dot, thwip, thwip. The children flip over their names when they're done and close their eyes, running their fingers over the raised pattern. Look, they say, I can read Braille. The parents thank her for doing such an imaginative project. Miranda's asked to speak at the meeting the next day about creative ways to adapt the Sunday school curriculum. What was she thinking, bringing knitting needles into a room full of seven-year-olds? The boys immediately start sword fighting with them. She takes them away and gives them ballpoint pens instead. The project is salvaged just in time. The parents thank her for doing such an imaginative project. Miranda's asked to speak at the meeting the next day about creative ways to adapt the curriculum. But the fifth grade teacher raises her hand. I think we need to discuss classroom safety issues. What was she thinking, bringing knitting needles into a room full of seven-year-olds? It happens so fast. She doesn't see it. She only hears it. The awful, ripping sound of flesh and the unearthly scream that followed. What was Max doing, leaning his hand on the knitting needle like that? Stan, who's been reading the New York Times out in the church courtyard, drives Max to the emergency room. The fifth-grade teacher takes the other second-graders, including Everett, into her room. The assistant rector helps clean up the blood in the classroom and assures Miranda it wasn't her fault. The assistant rector cleans up the blood in the classroom. He's going to be fine, my dear, she tells Miranda. The needle went through his hand, Beverly. He'll be like Jesus. You are so full of shit, Miranda cries. Miranda skips the Sunday school teachers meeting the next day and the Sunday services following and never, in fact, goes back to All Saints. Max's hand requires surgery, but it eventually heals. He's proud of his scar. On Sunday mornings, Miranda joins Stan in doing the New York Times crossword puzzle. I like this, Stan tells her. The assistant rector cleans up the blood in the classroom. Miranda, I'm so sorry, he says. I can't believe I was joking about stigmata this morning, she wails. Miranda, you can't do this to yourself. He throws out the paper towels, then closes the classroom door. He holds her. He brings her hands to his mouth, licks Max's blood off her fingers. He kisses her. She can taste the blood of her own son in his mouth. Miranda starts visiting Mark once a week on Jeffrey's day off, while the kids are in school and Stan is at work. But Jeffrey finds out and tells the rector, who is, of course, old, white, and overweight. Father Mark is transferred to St. Brendan's in the city, a moribund church where the bishop sends priests to punish them. A dynamic African-American woman priest becomes the new assistant rector at All Saints. Miranda keeps teaching the second grade class, but she doesn't bother collecting reimbursement for her expenses. She starts seeing a therapist every Thursday afternoon. Miranda starts visiting Mark once a week on Jeffrey's day off. Then one day she says, Mark, can I invite someone to join us? And that's how Jeffrey gets the man he loves. Mark loves him in return. Miranda gives them both up. They make a nice couple. The stodgier folks in the church don't like it. Some of them leave. One is the fifth grade teacher. 
Miranda hears the awful ripping sound of flesh and the unearthly scream that follows. But she knows what to do. Have faith, Max, Miranda cries out. Call to Jesus like blind Bartimaeus. Son of God, have mercy on me, Max screams. And it works. The blood stops. At first, all the children are crying because they've just seen a classmate stick a knitting needle through his hand. But now they understand that they've witnessed a miracle. And any little thing that was ailing them, the splinter that wouldn't come out, the bee stings, bruises, scrapes, the heartbreak over their parents' failed marriages, and society's callous disregard for their well-being, all gone, healed. The assistant rector says, I'm sorry, Miranda. The parents have complained. Faith healings, that just crosses the line for most Episcopalians. Miranda and her family stop attending All Saints. She tries a Pentecostal church for a while, but it's just another institution with its ideological straitjackets, politics, and internecine strife. She and Max bring their healing directly to the community, visiting hospitals and nursing homes, senior centers, hospices. Just touch Max's scar and you're healed. Stan tries to stop it, but it's bigger than he is. Miranda starts calling herself Mother Miranda. She travels around the country preaching and healing. Stan gets primary custody of the boys, although Max will join his mother when he turns 16. Meanwhile, she comes back to town often to visit her children and friends. Jeffrey won't speak to her anymore, but she usually visits Father Mark, and they always end up in the second-grade classroom, where it all began. One hundred people show up at the second-grade classroom the Sunday after Max's accident, wanting to see the boy who was healed, wanting to touch the hole in his hand, wanting to be healed. The assistant rector and the rector, still old, white, and overweight, send them away. Miranda stops attending All Saints. She tries a Pentecostal church for a while, but she can't stand the speaking in tongues. It's so obviously fraudulent. Max's healing settles into a long line of ordinary miracles. He likes his scar. Stan invites Miranda to join him in doing the New York Times crossword puzzle on Sunday mornings. But she says, God, Stan, I'm sick of the New York Times crossword puzzle. That can't possibly be my only other option for Sunday morning. Okay, he says, okay, so we'll do something else. They take a walk around their neighborhood. Miranda marvels at all the houses she doesn't live in, the cars that aren't hers to drive, the lawns that aren't Stan's to mow. How is it, she wonders, that she's come to this exact time and place with these people to call family and the particular arrangement of details that make up her life? For one light-headed moment, she feels she might float free of it all, but Stan says, Hey there, and puts his arm around her shoulders, reasserting the force of gravity. Max and Everett amble ahead of them, zigzagging along on the sidewalk, fashioning swords from some fallen branches they've found. They strip the bark off piece by piece, leaving a trail of brown fibers behind them, like a breadcrumb trail, for home. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, please visit www.kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.